It is good to be with you again from uh, Three Gens Theology uh, to you. We are excited about continuing our uh, discussion in the names of God. Um, I heard a, a, a neat little story that I think can help us into why we would study the names of God, not just that they're scripture, but they're, they're valuable um, for a reason. Uh, this, was, this was something that I found uh, interesting. It is that um, when a toddler sees a little furry creature, he would say it's a dog, a doggy. Then when that, that boy gets older, uh, he might understand that, oh, that's a lab or that's a, you know, that's a collie. Um, and so you know more information about particular things. Uh, but then at some point, if that same boy gets a dog, then it's my dog, and you know that particular dog much better. And you give it a name. Um, and so, you know, Fido, um, Spot, whatever whatever that is, the name probably isn't as important as knowing the information. So you, you might know uh, from a very early age that there is such a thing as a doggy. Um, but then you get to know the particulars of it from information and from experience, and you know what a what well, a type of a dog it is. And then as you get a dog, you would have my, my dog and uh, the, the way that uh, you would um, learn about that particular dog. And so I, th I thought that was an interesting analogy given for the names of God. As we learn about the names of God, we, we, can, uh, we can know Christ and have a general I idea of God, Lord, you know, master, um, we can come up with some of these generic things. But as we learn the particular names of God, it does help us to see individual truths of who my God is, yeah. you know. And Good. so it, it's, a, it's a personified thing and an increased knowledge thing that uh, can help us to, to better understand who he is. I just thought that was a neat uh, mm -hmm. analogy given. Uh, so last time we uh, talked about Elohim and how that uh, the 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 El and is the singular and Elohim is the plural of that, that title. And we talked through that a little bit. And then we just started into uh, Yahweh or Jehovah and uh, how that came from the Lord um, introducing himself there at the burning bush with Moses and I am that I am. Uh, and so we're going to continue in the uh, discussion here uh, with uh, some truths about Yahweh. Mm -hmm. So, Jim, why don't you lead us in prayer, and then you can take over sure. from that. Father, we thank you that you have given us the privilege of calling you our Heavenly Father. You've given us the joy of being able to name your name and within the context of Scripture to understand what those names mean. You've demonstrated again and again that you are, in fact, the God who has uh, shown us in Scripture who you are. We've learned it through experience as well as through the teachings of your Word. And we pray that each one of us, as we spend this time together, will be challenged to know you better, to understand better how you have glorified your, and magnified your name. And uh, we pray, Heavenly Father, that we might do the same, that we might glorify your name in the way we speak of you, in the things that we learn about you, and the way we present you to others. Lord, use us, we pray, as your instruments today. And we'll give you our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I think that one of the things that 
that strikes me as we're spending this time talking uh, about Yahweh or Jehovah is the fact that it's continually in our English translation and usually in our own speech uh, translated Lord. What do we mean by Lord? What, what is a Lord? I think that would be good for us to, to kind of keep in mind as we look at the names of God. Um, assuming as we, we look at the story that you told at the beginning that we have come to know more and more about God, what does it mean to us when we call him Lord? Well, I think that the first thing that we might want to think of is that a person who is Lord of my life is my master. He's the one whom, uh, to whom all praise is due and who I obey in every way. Um, we recognize the fact that in the ancient Near East there was often the concept that you would have uh, individuals whose position was such that they could bestow benefits and blessings and grace on those people who were below them. And this is certainly true of our Lord, that he does bestow benefits and grace and blessing upon those who are his servants. And yet, we find that this God not only treats his people as his servants, he treats them as his sons. And so this Lord is different than all others. And that makes us desire to know him as our Lord in a different way, to be closer to him, to have more of a personal relationship with him than we would have with any earthly Lord or master. So the word, the word Lord, then, as we think about Yahweh, it would have as a part of its component his existence, that he is, yes. but also the idea of sovereignty or control, mm -hmm. right? Um, or ability to bestow, as you were saying. Yes. Uh, and so it would carry that, uh, carry that thought. Yes. When he identified himself to Israel through Moses as I am, he was obviously introducing himself as the self-existent one, the one from whom all existence comes which is a very important characteristic of God we're going to talk about later on, that he is the source of life, the source of existence. And because he is the one who, who provides existence, he's not only Lord of our lives, he is literally the Lord God of all of the universe. Everything that has been created, everything that he has brought into existence is under his sovereignty, mm -hmm. his lordship. And that's why we use that term as we do. It's interesting that the Yah portion of Yahweh is found in many places uh, in inscriptions uh, throughout the ancient Near East. It's, it's found many times in, uh, in the Holy Land. And it's also found in names like Jehoshaphat and Jonathan and Joshua. The beginnings of those names are all Yah. In fact, <clears throat> James 
would actually come <laughs> in Hebrew from that as well. Should I start calling you Yom? Yeah, Yom, Yom would instead. probably be good. Yeah. <laughs> or Yim. Yeah. <laughs> that would work too. Um, the name Yah is found in Scripture used of our Lord, of God. Uh, Psalm 68 is a good example of that. Let me read verses 3, 4, and 5. But let the righteous be glad. Let them exult before God. Yes, let them rejoice with gladness. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song for him who rides through the deserts, whose name is the Lord, Yah, and exult before him. A father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy habitation. So this is one place among many where we find Yah used by itself. But from this point on, we're going to want to describe a little bit about how Yahweh has described himself through the addition of other names. Right. So we have a, a whole list of, of we, would, we would typically use Jehovah with these names mm -hmm. in what you would see written about in English. Right. But it's Yahweh. It's the same again. Yahweh and Jehovah are the same. So uh, Jehovah Jireh being the Lord will provide. Um, there in Genesis 22, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. And so like Sai asked last time, how does the person reading in the English Bible know that this is a name? And it is harder to mm -hmm. know. Now it is the all capitalized Lord for Yahweh, but it would be... Um, harder to know that you have a title here. Right. Right? Right. Um, and so that's where um, even doing interlinear um, with, the, with the verse would help you to see that. Um, but, uh, you know, study Bible or a commentary would bring that out for sure. There are other uh, names. For instance, uh, Yahweh Tzavaot, the Lord of hosts. Every time that's translated, the Lord of hosts. Right. So you know that that is what the name is behind that. Right. Uh, the Lord of the armies, the host of heaven. By the way, the Lord of hosts is interesting, Sai. If, if you think about one description that's given of all the stars in the starry spaces above us, what, would they, what might they be called in scriptures? The heavenly beings, beings the heavenly objects, or the heavenly host. Well, if the Lord is the one who leads forth his armies, his hosts, then in, the in a sense, the scriptures combine the stars in the same kind of image. It's this large body of, of, uh, of objects that fill the heavens and the, the armies of the Lord, if you will, also fill the hills. Remember the experience of uh, Elisha's servant when uh, Elisha says that uh, the ones who are with us are more than the ones who are with the kings of Syria and he goes out and looks and the Lord opens his eyes and he sees chariots and fighters and people with arms filling the hills all around the army of the king of Syria and so at that point the servant says i got it mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. yeah, those are always interesting because like there's t there's passages of scripture where 
they they give numbers, like especially in relation to armies. You know, they'll say, oh, this army is this size, and then it'll talk about, you know, angels, and they're, you know, innumerable. And it's like, all right, well, I mean, that, that, that's a lot. If you're <laughs> if you're counting that, that army as that size, then to say innumerable is big. Yes, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. I find it interesting in these names that uh, the very familiar Psalm 23 passage that we would never associate with a name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. The Lord is my shepherd. Um, is actually a name given, right? Uh, Jehovah Roy. Um, And so uh, we see that as a phrase, as a sentence, as the beginning to a great psalm, but it actually is a name of God that's given there. And so that's, um, you know, again, uh, like the Lord of hosts is a title that's used over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of these descriptors are just phrases that come out in English as a phrase. Yes. And it says a truth about who the Lord is. Um, but it is actually a title as well. Yeah, uh, Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Jireh would be a good example of that. Mm-hmm. The Lord who sees, the Lord who provides, used in Genesis twenty-two fourteen. Mm-hmm. These are names that are, once we understand what they mean, they really help us to understand more about who our Lord really is in his relation to those who are his own and he is the one who owns the land he is the one who is the lord of the people okay so um yahweh is uh the the more particular name of god than just the title elohim just the uh the elohim is a name of god Mm -hmm. but Yahweh would be a more particular name, more personal name given to God from him to Moses and then carried through uh, that time. Yes. One thing that you mentioned that is uh, that you said you wanted to mention that I found very interesting is that Yahweh is used before the burning bush in Genesis. Yes. Go ahead and uh, describe that a little bit. I think that's significant because a lot of times critics of the scriptures will say, well, if Moses didn't find out until Exodus that this name Yahweh or Jehovah was the personal name of God, the name that God told Moses to take to the Israelites, um, then why does it appear in the book of Genesis? And I think the simple answer to that is, without having to even worry about the critical issues that they claim to bring up, Moses is the author of the Pentateuch, the first five books of Scripture. And by the time he wrote those books, he already knew the covenant-keeping God, Yahweh, Jehovah. They, he already knew the God who is. He knew his name, and so he used his name in various places in the book of Genesis as an appropriate name yep. to use. Yep. I thought that was an interesting comment and interesting uh, understanding as you dig in a little bit. As you dig in, it, doctrine's funny that way. As you dig into doctrine, you have people who ask questions that you didn't know were questions before, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes they're difficult questions, and sometimes they're questions with relatively simple explanations. Um, yeah. But the person asking them is, is fervent, about it you know right that can't be you know um and yet there's a simple explanation often for uh some of those some of those questions Mm -hmm. so all right uh the other common old testament title for the lord is adonai Mm -hmm. adonai and so this 
when you see this in the English, it is written with only a capital L, not, right. not all caps. Right. And so that's how you can tell the difference between the two. So typically if it says God in the Old Testament, it is Elohim, L or Elohim. If it is Lord, all caps, it's Yahweh. Yes. And if it's Lord with just a capital L, it is Adonai. So talk through a little bit of the difference if, there between those. Or yeah, if you, if you notice that uh, it's a capital L Lord, you know that it's Adonai. Adon is actually the, the base, the root of that name. And it's used for, for a master. Uh, a human master could be called Adonai. That would be a term that would be used for him. But So in, Eng in England, they have lords. Yes, right? exactly. And that, that would be this kind of word. That would be this right. kind of word. It's yeah. a word that, uh, that means a, a majestic one. Uh, a leader, a master. But uh, we find that occasionally um, it's used as a title Lord uh, with Elohim. Rather than Yahweh Elohim, it'll be Adonai Elohim, mm -hmm. which again demonstrates that the Lord mixes up his names, if you will, in order to be able to teach certain things about himself. Right. He is not only the majestic God, the great God, but he is also the great God who is a master, a Lord over all. Um, so the, the idea of, of uh, our English reading of the Old Testament, it can be, while we don't see the Hebrew there, and there's times that the, that the descriptor added titles are hard to know they're there, it's pretty consistent. God is Elohim, capital Capital Lord is Yahweh, and capital L only is Adonai, and so we can know those right. those differences pretty pretty basically. Right. Okay, anything else there Old Testament wise that you want to um, bring about? Yeah, it would be good for us to recognize the fact that there is one particular phrase that is used more frequently than any other, and that is Sovereign Lord. Uh, in translation, uh, it comes from the emphasis on the lordship of Yahweh or the lordship of Jehovah. And so the, when you see the phrase sovereign lord, what it actually is is uh, Adonai Yahweh. So it is both names. It's the Lord Lord. Reflecting Lord. Right. It's the Lord Lord. It's yeah. uh it's Lord as the one who is sovereign or powerful over all things. In fact, in that particular case, when we think of sovereign, what do we normally think of? If you think of sovereign as a, a, a say an a yeah, a, a ruler, a, ruler right. a king, who is the sovereign of England would be a, an expression that might be used. And so in this particular case, when you talk about sovereign Lord, you're just emphasizing the reign, the rule, the authority of the Lord over all. Yeah. So that would be another uh, Old Testament phrase that we need to be watching for yeah. and doing that kind of study on that Cy mm -hmm. mentioned earlier right. of uh, the first appearance of that phrase. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll break up our, our Old Testament, New Testament with a... Uh, it's funny to me story, but so we were studying uh, in high school. We studied Jehovah Nisi, which is the the Lord is my banner, right? Uh -huh. uh, and so in in high school, that my 
Uh, actually, I didn't end up having him as my basketball coach. He ended up being my history teacher, which in the you know, like most schools, when the per, when the coach is hired on and is given a class, generally the class is not uh, you know not a great class to take. Um, so, but his name was Neats, but it was they were pronounced similarly, and so it was funny as we were studying about God as a banner, as as a leader into war. That I mean, that idea of that this uh, basketball coach that really nobody liked was uh, was the comparison of uh, was the comparison here. So we were we would always talk about. Yeah, we we aren't we don't want to follow that banner into uh, into war, but uh, hopefully I don't know I don't know the only way that he would be watching this, but uh, yeah. it was uh, I mean you know he's a, a high school a, a varsity coach generally your you know varsity coaches we'll are not your best friend. We'll but, assume uh, he's grown and yeah, and, and but uh, that was always a funny yeah. Je- Jehovah Nisi. Every time I hear that, I'm like, oh yeah, banner, yeah, banner. There you go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We to, to come back to the to the name. Uh, we we go to war. We go to battle under under his banner under his name right um because we we are for him right yes. we're for him absolutely so good all right uh so <laughs> moving to the new testament uh there are two uh two Sorry, main coach. two main yeah. ones that we will see and and another two main ones and uh again they are words that the that the writers would know and words that the readers or hearers would know, right? Right. And so theos and kurios, we're going to talk through those. So let's start with uh, theos. I think okay. that's the most common thought of uh, base language for God, because what we're doing is we're talking through theology, which is that's right. from that word, theos. Go ahead. Yes, it is from theos. Um, in the Greek and Roman world, this name was given to beings who were uh, believed to control destinies or to give benefits to mankind. And remember, in the Greek and Roman world, the gods were uh, like exalted human beings, mm-hmm. human beings who could make mistakes. Uh, they, they did fail occasionally to do the right thing. And so it seems remarkable with that background that God would choose Theos as the mm-hmm. appropriate name to name himself. Right. Um, we can see that uh, in the New Testament, Acts 14.11, where the people of Lystra saw Paul and Barnabas perform miracles, they concluded that they were gods. And they called them theoi, gods who had come from heaven to earth in human form. Uh, they gave them the names of well-known gods, Zeus, Hermes, the people of Ephesus became furious when they thought Paul and his father followers were in town to blaspheme Diana, their goddess, which is referred to in the scriptures as, in that passage, as Theos. Not Theos, O-S, but Theos, A-S, A-S, which would be the feminine form. And so we find in this one passage references to theos being used in very different ways than what we think of when we think of our God. It refers almost exclusively in the New Testament to the monotheistic God of the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jesus, the God who is worshipped by Christians as he was by Israel. For example, in Acts 17.23, Paul refers to their altar to the unknown God as the unknown Theos. 
But then he proceeds to introduce them to the God. And in this particular case, the article is used, the, in order to distinguish him from a God. Mm-hmm. the theoi or the gods of the people in that area it occurs over 300 times in the new testament and whenever it's appropriately appropriate to the context it occurs with the article so that's uh it's so it's the normal word for gods um but i was looking like in matthew 23 uh, it's clear that there is only one God, yes. right? There's only one true God. Yes. Uh, and so while it's using the common word for uh, small g gods, um, it's clear in the context that uh, it's using that word for, for understandability. Yes. But then it's clear through through the context that it is there is uh, really only one God. So it's right. not it's not validating eros or uh or zeus um, but rather it is giving an understanding a foundation for our understanding and then clarifying it yes right so that would be a lot like um elohim that it's a word that is understandable and then there are descriptors given to to better understand how it applies to to this guy right right you think about the 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 back story of all of this And it kind of gives you an interesting insight into the way people would have responded when they heard people preaching about theos or when they heard people preaching about the other names that are used for God. Those people who are speaking have a specific context from which they are speaking. Mm -hmm. The people who are listening are sitting out there saying, well, he's talking about strange gods he's talking about beings that are a being that is different than the gods that we know Mm -hmm. and how do they know he's different because of the way he is described in the context of what they say and the context of what they wrote so context becomes very important when we're trying to understand why god would select names that were already commonly there the immediate uh, response on the part of the listener is, oh, this is something concerning the gods. But by the time the discussion is finished and the message is given, the gods have become the god. Mm-hmm. And there are no others. Right. Yeah. So as, we, oh, as we have this discussion, uh, I, there's there's been a kind of an interesting debate uh, amongst missionaries in Muslim countries of the should we use Allah mm-hmm. as in reference to God that's the that's their word for God that's how we see scripture used it is that what we should do so grandpa you, you would obviously have more uh, expertise in this than most so what what what's kind of been your discussion around that well the the use of Allah is a very interesting thing because if you go back to the period before um, Muhammad and the beginning of, of Islam, you will find that that name was being used repeatedly in Arab lands for God. Mm-hmm. It was a, an, a normal name for God in Arabic. 
And so what happened when uh, Muhammad began Islam, he used that name, but he used it in a very specific and particular way related to the teachings of Islam. And so when we think about the use of the name, it is perfectly legitimate to translate the name of God, for instance, Elohim, into Allah. There is nothing wrong with doing that because that would have been the way in which an ancient speaker or user of the Arabic language would have done it. So for us, it is a question not so much of whether we could use Allah or not, but again, what the context of the use of Allah is going to be. And this is where the, the rubber meets the road, because in some places, the New Testament, for example, is allowed to be read because it includes the name Allah. In other places, the New Testament, it cannot be used because it includes the name Allah. <laughs> so it's really a matter of choice among various groups of uh, Muslims as to whether they will accept scriptures that use that name. So it's, it's a fascinating problem. Um, I think ultimately my response to it is as long as we recognize that the introduction of Allah into, say, a New Testament passage is going to be explained on the basis of the context of the New Testament, then we realize that Allah, just like Theos or Kurios or any other name that God chose for himself or Elohim or Yahweh, however much it might appear in the, the beliefs of other people, is going to now have a specific meaning, a specific context that will give it, for the person who really reads it, a very different picture of who Allah is than the picture that's given within Islam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Allah would Allah would be a similar word to Elohim and to Theos, right? It's a common word for God. Yes. Um, but I think it has been so uniquely identified to Islam mm -hmm. that now I think you could use it with a descriptor, much like you would use... Um, you know, Adonai um, Yahweh, you could use Allah Elohim or something, you know, and, and have a descriptor that if in talking about the true God, that you could use the, the, the base word for God, but somehow in your communication, identify that you're talking about, uh, about Elohim or about, uh, you know, if you had some other word to, to add to it, mm -hmm. because then you would see Allah in the scriptures and not be freaked out that Allah's there. You know what I mean? So you could keep that word for God. But then I think in talking about the true God, I think you, it would be good if you had a common descriptor that attached to it. Um, but it is quite um, difficult uh, in, in that setting uh, because to use the common word for God identifies it as as in our culture when you talk about theology you're typically talking about christian theology right 
uh, but in a, in a, in a Islamic uh, setting, the common word God would be predominantly identified as Allah. Allah. Right, yeah. So yep. uh, that's what I would do, is I would use a descriptor all the time, but use the base word because it's in the scriptures, um, you know, uh, in, that, in their translation. Well, an example of that would be, the, and we will go into this in more detail later, but in the use of kami in Japan, when the Protestant translators determined to use the name kami, it was a common name for uh, exalted beings, uh, things that had very great power in the mountains, uh, rivers, the ocean. Um, and so all of those would have been called kami or kamigami. But when kami was chosen as the name for God to be used throughout the scriptures, one thing that was done immediately was to begin to use mi, uh, mikami or the honorific uh, entrance to that word. You always use an honorific together with his name or call him kami-sama, which is the most honored way of referring to an individual. Uh, so by using that additional phrase, uh, mikami or kami-sama, we have the ability yeah. in talking about God to distinguish him mm -hmm. from all the other kamigami. Right. Right. Kamigami. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that generic term God is what God used as his name, right? That is what he used as his name. Uh, and then he used uh, explanations beyond around that to better identify uh, him as the one true God. Right. Okay, so Theos. Secondly, Kyrios. Uh, this would be translated Lord mm -hmm. uh, throughout the New Testament. Uh, so when you see God in the New Testament is almost always Theos, and when you see Lord, it is basically uh, Kyrios, although not necessarily all. I mean, it, it's translated Lord all the time, but maybe not all the Lord translations are Kyrios. The, uh, the interesting thing about that is that though kurios can be used of human masters, um, when God uses it, he uses it again within the context of um, things that pertain to a Lord that is above all other lords. Mm -hmm. He identifies himself in that way. And we, we use the expression king of kings and lord of lords. It's that kind of elevation above what a common lord right. would be. Right. Uh, but one thing that we can keep in mind is that most frequently we find it used as the New Testament representation of the Old Testament concept of uh Yahweh. It's, it's actually a, a clear picture that we find throughout the New Testament that when Lord is used, and, and obviously it was used by the disciples referring to Jesus, it's used by us as we refer to our Lord, there's always the concept in it that this is not a separate Lord from the 
Yahweh of the Old Testament or the Jehovah of the Old Testament. We're really referring to the same Lord. So along with that, the Greek word despotis, uh, which we would know as a despot, mm -hmm. um, is used as master, and it would be a similar sovereignty thought we the the english word despot is almost always negative <laughs> right um, but in that setting it's not it's just referring to him being master or, or sovereign or leading that that type of uh right. thing so that is used there as well right yep okay um and then one other anything else there curious that no that uh, might people might be curious of uh, um, that's bad one other New Testament one that that we want to mention is uh, is the t the title father yes. um, that that is certainly a name of God and it's more uh, obviously it's uh, as we talk about Trinity we'll we'll be talking about that more um, but uh, that, that idea of of uh, of father is one that is clearly used as an endearing title for him yes um that uh is a, a strong connection with people uh they, you understand what a father is right you know that right. word and so it does draw in the the uh the nearness the closeness the bond that's there in that name better than the idea of lord or god that can be distant mm -hmm. or uh, yes. separate and so father is brought in in the new testament um, for that nearness in relationship. Um, not that the God of the Old Testament was distant. Uh, that just wasn't in his title right. that way. And in fact, right. uh, we, in some of the Jehovah's, there is a, a care that's given that, that uh, the Lord provides, Jehovah Jireh, or you know, others that are talking about his care for us in yes. those titles. Um, but Father is one that is brought about a very, uh, very nearness uh, to, to those who are his. We'll right. be talking about the fatherhood of God, both in the discussion of the Trinity, and also we'll have a separate section where we're actually talking a little bit more about what it means that God is our Father right. and right. His fatherhood to us. It's important for us to, as we wrap things up, to recognize the fact that we have not talked about all of the names of mm -hmm. God. Uh, just to talk about all the names of Jesus would take us weeks and weeks, mm -hmm. but the names of God would be even more since Jesus was in fact, uh, is, is God as well. Mm -hmm. So um, this is a, a sampling of the most frequently and most importantly used mm -hmm. names for God uh, in the Old and New Testament. Well, and, I hope and, it'll be helpful for you in that way. And... Um, I guess the New Testament ones would be speaking directly of Christ, but um, the Old Testament ones and theos in general are are speaking of the Godhead. And then as you get somewhat to Kyrios, although it's still saying Jesus is part of the Godhead mm -hmm. in that word, but as you get to Father, it's more particular yes. about the Father as opposed to the Son. Yes, that's um, true. But the others are speaking more generally of the Godhead uh, as a whole. Uh, Although it could be argued, Dan, that, if, that in the New Testament, where God is the legitimate translation of theos, that the contexts almost always indicate that we're talking about the Father. Right. Which, which is a very important point for us to make yeah. in that you will frequently find places where you see 
God, uh, Jesus, right. the Holy Spirit mentioned, and those references make it very clear that what we're talking about is the Father. The Although yeah. it becomes much more complicated because at the same time, when we use the, the name God, we are referring, of course, to the whole Godhead. So right. it, it what, depends like on the context. The simple John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That's it's right. It's got to be referring to the Father there. That's right. Uh, or at least. Um, so it's, uh, But then the Word was God. So... That's right. You know, so it, it is a bit, sometimes it's particularly the father. Typically, I think it is the father, but it's not. Not always. Not always, right? Not always. Okay. Well, good. Um, in these names, uh, you can impress others by speaking of Jehovah Shalom. You can, you can impress others by uh, knowing that Psalm 23 is Jehovah Roy, right? Uh, but that is not the point of knowing these things. That's right. Yeah, it is to grow in your understanding of who God is and how to worship him uh, more fully. And so as you learn these names, uh, apply them to your understanding of Scripture, understanding of who God is, and, uh, and then the idea of giving him glory uh, for who he is by these names in the Scriptures. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together. We do want to lift your name high. Mm. Uh, Lord, help us to understand the truth of who you are in a better and more complete way so that we can give you glory in a better and more complete way uh, with our words, with our thoughts, and, and also with our lives. Thank you for this time together in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And, uh, you know, we, we appreciate you, you taking part in these, uh, in these discussions. And we'd love to hear from you. As we always talk about, please uh, comment or review or email to pd at crossbridgeindy.com. Uh, thank you and praise the Lord.